This is the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. Ever wish you could re-listen to your favorite interview or segment? Do you enjoy hearing older shows for the first time in years? Then the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less is just what you need. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. Today's show is brought to you by Crawford's Barbecue. Crawford's Barbecue is bringing great barbecue products to pitmasters and kings of the cul-de-sac alike. To find out more, head over to crawfordsbbq.com. Today's show was pulled from March 30th back in 2010. It's a great brisket roundtable. I'm going to jump right into it and let Greg introduce his guests from March 30th, 2010. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the big barbecue show special event uh, wrapping up the barbecue roundtable shows that we've been doing here for the past four weeks. And why not wrap it up with one of the most difficult categories to cook well aside from chicken? Not that we found out anything about that uh, during the roundtable. Uh, but this is the beef brisket category tonight and on the paddle sitting in currently second place overall in the kcbs and sitting in the third place brisket for 2010 more importantly ranked number one in brisket category in 2009 also finished team of the year in the kcbs and fresh off another brisket category win this past weekend in hammond louisiana pitmaster of pellet envy rod gray joining us also sitting in ranked number five in brisket for 2009 in the kcbs finished second in the team of the year points chase also was in hammond this past weekend with a very respectable 21st overall pitmaster of Iowa Smoky D's Darren Worth and rounding out the panel tonight ranked number seventh in pork in 2009 the KCBS and finishing third in team of the year points chase pitmaster of I smell smoke Steve Farron and uh, these are the guys that are joining us tonight guys welcome in and appreciate you taking the time out to join me and certainly the the uh, the, the peanut gallery is very happy to have you aboard as well we're going to be talking about brisket tonight uh, but before we actually get into the pre-cooking events here during the first segment, why don't we go ahead around the room and see what everybody is cooking on, and we'll start with Rod. Uh, Greg, I thought I was calling into Tradio. I- I'm on the wrong show. Tradio! Get that big stuff out of here! Rod, would you like to trade that jambo pit? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, Greg, uh, thanks for having me on again. You know I love to come on your show. I'm cooking on... A Jambo, currently called Model J5. Model J5. All right, Darren? Oh, man, Jumbos have got... Now we got model numbers on those things? I know, I'm confused by two, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> um, cooking now just depends where what week it is and where I'm flying to, but, I mean, the most traditional cook for me um, is cooking on a 22-inch Weber Smoky Mountain, uh, followed with a... Um, FEC 100. Uh, would you say, Darren, that you're uh, you're cooking on cookers that are not yours the majority of the time? Then, oh, not necessarily the majority of the time. But I try and you know, especially last year, got into the race uh, team of the year and kind of flew around and did some different things on different cookers. Uh, earlier this year, we we've, we've already cooked on a different different cooker and, and took a reserve down in North Kansas City, so it's kind of a challenge to us. We kind of like to do that. Living the rock star barbecue life. Darren Worth from Iowa Smoke Eaties. Rounding out this question, Steve Farron from I Smell Smoke. I cook on an FEC 100 and occasionally a Backwoods. 
Do you have a preference for one or the other? Uh, I've really gotten to like the FEC for the brisket. So uh, let's go around real quick. Any of you guys use the Wagyu brisket for competitions? And we'll start with Darren. No. Ever dabbled with the Wagyu? Never tried it. Never. All right. What's, Steve. What's, what's, the, what's the reason to? Uh, <laughs> I'm certainly not the guy to ask, but uh, the, every, lots of people talking about the Wagyu, and I uh, figured I'd get you experts' opinion. Steve, a uh, Wagyu guy or no? Uh, no. Uh, if I was Rod Gray and had his money, maybe. <laughs> Have you ever tried the the Wagyu just for fun and giggles? I wouldn't even know where to get it. There you go. All right, Rod Gray. No, uh, I can't spell Wagyu, let alone afford it. Um, I have, and no, I've never even, I've never, honestly, I'm not sure. I've ever, I haven't ever seen a Wagyu or a Kobe brisket in person. Me neither. All right, so this this brings up a pretty interesting follow-up question, that, and we'll start back with Rod. I mean, obviously you guys are aware of the Internet. You see a lot of the stuff being posted around. You've, you've seen some, I guess, more uh, high-profile names because of the shows. Talk about Wagyu briskets. Is it just something that you're not interested in trying after what you've heard and after what you've seen on the TV shows? Or you're just happy with what you got, and you're going to stick with it, and that's all that you're going to be talking about that? Well, you know, Greg, we're all competitors, and I think we all want to improve on what we do. And and I've thought about it, and I've actually had some conversation with some folks about some of those types of products. And when it comes right down to it, it's pretty hard to kick my choice briskets, uh, considering how they've been doing, uh, especially the last year or so. Um, but, you know, in the back of your mind, I don't know. I often wonder if, if I could improve on what I'm doing by, by stepping up to that. But, but honest to goodness, when you have to spend 85 to $100 a brisket to get them to you, and there's no way I'm cooking just one brisket, um, it just seems cost prohibitive to me. You know, for the people who can do it and win with it, you know, great, good for them. It's just, it's just not something that I've, I've, I've looked into very seriously. Steve, are you along the same lines as Rod there? Yeah, and uh, some of the contests I compete in, there may be $100 in prize money, so it doesn't seem it would be worth it to buy a $100 brisket. Darren, you're uh, similar then in mindset? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with them. Don't believe everything you read on the Internet or see on TV. I don't have a cupcake pan either. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, so when you're looking at the briskets themselves, what are you looking for? What are you eyeballing when you're looking to actually pick the ones out that you're going to be taking on the road with you to the competitions? We'll go back to Rod. Well, I've got, I've got a couple things. I'm looking for a specific size. I'm looking for about a 15-pound whole brisket, maybe a little larger. That's a timing thing for me. Um, a brisket that size put on at the, at the time I put it on comes off the time I usually want it to come off of. The other thing I'm looking for is I'm looking for the thickness of the flat. Um, I would prefer to have a flat that's really thick. Um, beyond that, I don't really look at the marbling inside the package anymore. I don't really look at the point for any reason. I'm just wanting a 15-pound whole brisket with a thick flat. What about you, Steve? Um, I use smaller briskets than Rod. They're usually around 12 to 13 pounds. Uh, and I do look for the marbling and a thicker flat. Um, that's about it, really. I, I like a nice, flexible brisket. Uh, if you have pick one up and it's kind of tough, I mean, you can feel it. So you want to stay away from the stiff meat? Yeah. <laughs> Darren? <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, I, I'm, I guess my opposite of Rod, I'm going to pick marbling over thickness any day. You know, I'm constantly looking at the marbling of the meat. If it's thick, fine, great. If it's not, as far as size of brisket, I'm all over the place. I mean, I've cooked 10-pound packers, and I've cooked 21-pound packers. You know, I'm just all over the place. It really comes down to what's looking good that week that's coming through and that has a lot of marbling and, and isn't paper thin, but, you know, has some at least what I'll say is a maybe a minimum of an inch thick on the flat. All right. Uh, we'll go ahead and stay with Darren here. We're getting in the trimming process here of the brisket. First off, are, are you separating the point and the flat at this point of the cook? Yes, right, right from the beginning. Um, you, usually, I'm doing it, trying to do it in the restaurant, even before I leave for the contest. I'm trimming off, trimming off the flat, really not doing much to the flat, and I'm trimming down that that point, um, trimming all the almost all the visible fat off that point. Steve, uh, I do not separate them to cook them. Um, and I trim most of the fat off the point and a very uh, pretty good amount of the fat off the flat as well. And even between the two sections, I like to trim it out. And Ron? I'm cooking the whole brisket. No separation during the cooking process. What's your uh, trimming process like? Uh, you take a knife in your right hand. If you're right-handed, preferably <laughs> sharp, and you start working away. <laughs> I, trim the, I trim a lot of fat off the point. I do not trim a thing off the flat. End of the whole brisket. All right, we'll go to Steve starting with this question. Does anyone, or Steve, are you injecting your brisket during this uh, prep process? Yes, I inject with Fab B. Fab B, all right. Old school, the one that started it all, right? Yeah, he sure did. Steve sponsored by Fab. Oh, even better. Shout out to Fab. Uh, there you go. store dot com. There you go, Darren. Uh, you injecting? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we started with the Fab a, a long time ago, but we've switched over to the Butcher's product in the last oh, probably two years, and and really been happy with the the Butcher's product. Rod, are you injecting? I do. I do inject. Um, interesting. Back, uh, Joe Ames was was creating this creating the Fab products. And Extreme Pork in 2002 was one of two teams that were the guinea pigs during that process. So basically, I've injected my brisket from day one. Um, I'm using David Busca's products, the butcher's products. Uh, I love them. I, I just think David does a great job with them. To put in your request for a future show, please contact John Solberg via email at john, J-O-N, at the bbqcentralshow.com. Hey, before we jump into the second segment, let me take a minute to talk to you about Crawford's Barbecue Pit Spritz. It's all natural and gluten-free, keeps your meat super moist during the cooking process, and adds a sweet peach taste to all your barbecue. It's great on all meats and does exceptionally well with pork. All you need to do is screw the included trigger sprayer onto the 16-ounce bottle, and you are ready to go. Crawford Pit Spritz also works great as a wrapping liquid, to help you bring those ribs and butts home. Head on over to CrawfordsBBQ.com for all the details on Crawford's Pit Spritz. Rod Gray from Pellet Envy, Steve Farron from Iowa 
Iowa. I smell smoke. Darren Worth from Iowa Smokey D's. Gentlemen, thanks for hanging with me through the break. So we have everything prepped up and ready to go on the cooker. What time are you guys putting the uh, the briskets on at competitions, or I guess how much time are you allowing, allotting these to cook? And we'll start with Rod. I put my briskets on at 3 a.m. Bam, down and dirty, there's the answer. <laughs> uh, Steve. Uh, 11 p.m., I have an old-style FEC, so I have a smoke setting that I put it on for an hour, and then up to 2.50 after that. And Darren, uh, what time are you putting them on? Um, you know, depends. Once again, depends whether I'm at the contest yet or not, but I try and get them... I try and get them on the Weber. I cook on the Weber Smoky Mountains first, so I'm going on them for about two hours starting, you know, approximately 8 o'clock at night, you know, on there for a couple hours and then over to the FEC overnight. And what kind of uh, wood are you guys using for smoke flavor? And we'll start back with Darren. Cherry wood, right out of the Iowa farm. Only cherry. You ever messed around with any other kind of wood or you just like cherry? Well, you know, once last year in Arizona in that contest when we actually went went ahead of Rod in the team of the year, I brought my cherry wood down and left it in the hotel room. So I went over to, to Rod and said, yeah, he would. And he gave me some little slivers of pecan wood. And they seem to work out really well. But, I've, you know, cherries kind of, we use that in the restaurant. And it's just kind of what we use day in and day out. Steve, uh, what kind of wood are you using for smoke flavor? I use a mix of pecan and cherry. And Rod, what? I think Darren answered for me. I wanted to have a smart comeback, but, you know, I'm just always there to help when I can. <laughs> you are, Rod. You are. Uh, Rod, have you always been a, a straight uh, pecan guy, or have you used other wood in the past and have kind of morphed well, into the pecan? I'm trying not to be confusing tonight. You know, I still cook with pellets on occasion. When I cook with pellets, I cook with barbecue or like hickory blend. I love that pellet. Um you can try everything under the sun, but I'm telling you, that's the way to go. But uh, truthfully, and, and the reason why is I have a good friend in southeast Kansas, uh, Rob Riggin, who's a game warden. And Rob uh, Rob helps me find my wood. So my wood is free. So that's why I use pecan, and that's, and that's just that's all I've ever used in that pit. Free wood is the best wood, I always say. So you say uh, your friend gives you wood? I'm saying I say I get wood from my friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've always said that the, the barbecue round tables are uh, fodder for homoeroticism uh, that knows no bounds. All right. So, what uh, what temperature are you guys keeping the pits at during the cook? And we'll start with Darren. Two forty five. Have you ever messed around with other temperatures in the past and found that two forty five works best? Well, two, I guess 244 to be exact, you no. know, because that's where the Thank FEC you. overnight. But no, normally we're in that 250 range. I mean, um, a few years ago we did try 200, you know, um, just, I don't know, just like 245 better. Steve? 250. And Rod? Yeah, I'm more of a 242, 243 guy. Um, that goes way back. No, I, 275, um, 275 on the gear. I cook a lot lower and slower on the pellet pits, but to, to keep this simple, uh, 275. Anyone baste or mop or spray during the cooking process? And we'll go back to Steve. Uh, no, I'd be sleeping during that whole process. <laughs> Darren, you uh, mopping or basting or spraying? No, no, I'm with, I'm with Steve. You know, nights for sleeping. No, he's never been with me. It's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rod doing any of that? 
No, once I go in the pit, I don't look at them for four hours. It's at the four hour market. I, I take a look, which is seven a.m. So, and and but but the short answer is no. No basting. No mopping. No nothing. Ever messed around with that to see if you could add uh, layers of flavor or anything like that? Um, I, if you're asking me, um, I probably tried some of that in the, in the very very early days before I was a competition barbecue cook. I try and learn to cook brisket, but. Um, you know, in the pellet days, I'm like those guys. You put those babies on in the evening, and you're done with them until morning. You just let them roll. So, so not, not. I didn't seriously mess around with stuff like that. No. Darren, did you ever try that in the past or no? Uh, like Rod, when I was cooking in the backyard on a thing, you know, you know, I was opening that lid every 20 minutes, spraying it with apple juice and stuff. But <laughs> other, other than that, no, just totally put them in. Forget about them until morning. Steve, you always. Yes, uh, I want to reiterate what Darren said. That's that's exactly what I used to do. Every twenty minutes, you know, prolong that, prolong that for four or five hours by sticking your head in there. There you go, Steve. Have you ever ever done that before or never? Uh, back in the day, we used to try all that stuff. Uh, found out it doesn't really work. All right, so uh, always an interesting question here, especially with briskets. Anyone foil the brisket during the cooking process? If so. Are you foiling because the brisket has reached an internal temperature specific, or is it a color thing, or is it a strict time thing? And we'll start with Steve. Uh, it's not a strict time. It's when I manage to roll out of bed. Uh, I would like to see the brisket above 170 and with a nice bark formed on it. Darren, foiling? Uh, foiling, um, usually 5 a.m., you know, if we're working on a regular turn-in schedule, as soon as I roll out of bed, first thing I do, 5 a.m., wrap briskets and butts. Uh, so it's just a time thing for you. It has nothing to do with color it or doesn't, temperature. It doesn't, doesn't matter what the color of the looks. They all look the same every week. It's just it's totally 5 a.m. I get out of bed and wrap the briskets. There you go. Rod, what about you? Um, I'm a little different because of the pit I'm cooking on. Uh, my briskets are wrapped after four hours. That's enough time. They've been in the smoke long enough because I cook with straight wood. And uh, whereas I used to wrap um, for moisture and tenderness, um, while, while that is still a benefit of wrapping, primarily I'm wrapping, wrapping because I've applied enough smoke to the product. All right, now before you close up the foil, are you adding any type of uh, liquid or special broth or whatever to the process before you close it up and let it finish cooking, Rod? I am. Um, I am adding from the, the old Smoke and Spice cookbook, a version of their basic beer hop. I'm adding about a quarter cup of that to the foil before I wrap it up. Darren, adding anything to the foil before you wrap up? Yeah, I kind of worked off, um, you know, Rick's Sinful Marinade used to be, and still is, I think, today, a, a very popular marinade, homemade, you know, made kind of famous by Rick Salmon. Um, kind of modified that a lot, where now I've got it down to I'm just putting... You know, take a bottle of Worcestershire sauce, a bottle of Pabst Blue Ribbon beer, mix them together, and dump it on the brisket. Steve, how about you adding anything to the foil before you wrap it up? Uh, Stubbs makes a pretty good product, uh, Stubbs Beef Marinade. All right, commercial uh, and ready to go in your wait, grocery. Wait, 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 wait. He didn't ask if they made a great product, Steve. He asked what you're putting in your foil. <laughs> that would be Stubbs Beef Marinade. Uh-huh. Oh, I got, got confused there. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I know it's easy for you. There you go. Uh, yeah, I'm old. <laughs> That's just because Slabs doesn't have a brisket marinade out yet. Well, Soon, yeah, yeah, yeah. Soon enough. Soon enough. Soon enough. 
<laughs> oh, come on, laugh track, laugh track. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Uh, anyone separate the point and the flat at this point? And not to be redundant, uh, Darren. Separate. Oh wait, you already did that, Steve. Mine, mine are already separated. That's right, Steve. You separating you know. the point and the flat uh, at the wrapping stage? No. All right, Rod. You separating? No. No. All right. So, what internal temperature are we shooting for here to pull these off the pit, or at least to, to finish cooking? And we'll start with Darren. Um, I'm going to go to 203, and then I'm going to start feeling. Oh. 203 and no. start feeling. 203, if they don't, you know, 203 once, you know, I'm not even thinking anything about it, not really paying attention until I hit 203. And then once I hit 203, usually, you know, 204, 205, 206, this weekend, well, you can tell how I didn't brisk it this weekend, it actually ended up going to 207 before they got tender. All right, so it's uh, at that point, you kind of going in with a thermometer to, to get the resistance of the meat? Yep, exactly. All right. Steve, what about you? Internal temperature? Uh, anywhere from 198 to 202, and again with the probe, it has to feel tender. Rod, um, uh, this will be a boring answer, but my goal is 203. But again, it's kind of, I want to reiterate what Darren said. You know, that's a, that is a basis for a decision, but it's it's become more of a feel thing for me, and I'm not even sure I can d- describe it other than the fact that my probe needs to glide in and out with almost no resistance. If at 203 I'm not there, it stays on. Sometimes at 203, unfortunately, <laughs> it's like butter, uh, which is, I'm a little far at that point, but my guideline is 203. And there you have it from March 30th, 2010, with an infamous brisket roundtable. Do me a favor when you get a second, head on over to CrawfordsBarbecue.com check out their all-natural, gluten-free pit spritz. Until next time on the Best Moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less, I am your host, John Solberg, and I look forward to talking to you again soon.